0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1242 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And thank you for joining us, as always, on the podcast, making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, wherever you like to find podcasts. We should be there. If we're not, tell us. And please, please, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. Today's episode, it's actually a two-part episode. Part one, you're watching right now with myself and Andrew Kelly. And Andrew and I talked for about an hour, maybe an hour plus, on some fake trade stuff. And we decided to split it into two episodes. But uh, as as I sort of just said and sort of teased a few times this week, Fake trades are not always my biggest thing, but I know there's a lot of names flying around Hawks Twitter right now. People talking about these big name guys from Donovan Mitchell to Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Ayton, Ben Simmons, etc. And Andrew is my first call on the fake trade platform. So we we had a lot of fun talking about this stuff that's coming up momentarily. And also Andrew joined me this week talking about the NBA draft and the aftermath of the draft lottery on Tuesday evening into Wednesday. That show is still available in your feeds right now. So please give it a listen Any subscription reviews. All that stuff is always encouraged. Just so you know, part two is available right now as well. So part one, that you know, you're about to listen to right now. And then as soon as it's over, flip over to part two. It should be in your feeds immediately following that. And we'll have much more going on into next week and beyond. The draft is coming five weeks from today as I record this. The NBA draft arrives. The Combine is still ongoing. We'll have player reviews, player capsules, all that fun stuff coming up with the podcast. But today is our two-part episode. Part one coming to you right now. Myself and Andrew Kelly on fake trades and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks. Your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I am joined once again. By my friend and a friend of the podcast, Andrew Kelly, uh, as I sort of teased on our last discussion point on this podcast, the first person I thought of without, I said that without any any hint of anything, the first person I thought of talking about fake trades was Andrew Kelly. Hello, sir.
1: Thanks, man. I think you've seen enough of my fake trades over the years that I've sort of <laughs> become identified as that guy. So I appreciate you having me on for this.
0: No, and the good part about this, and people know that I'm not the biggest fake trade discusser uh, in public, and it's because it gets me get you in trouble. If you're if you're covering a team close up, um, you know sometimes uh, there's just stuff I can't say out loud or stuff I shouldn't speculate on. And um, on this podcast, we're going to try to throw that out the window at least on some extent. People always ask me for fake trades, and we're here. Um, so. Before we get into like the names and things, and that'll be fun to talk about, uh, I do want to get your sort of temperature on where the Hawks should be trying to go. We talked about a little bit on our draft discussion um, earlier this week, but in terms of how urgent it should be, like whether you're a run it back guy, whether you're they have to do something big guy, like what what is your mindset if you're Travis Schlank, if you're even a you know a, an observer on the outside right now, like what the Hawks should be doing in the next couple weeks or weeks and months.
1: Well, I think relative to last summer, this has to be one where you're trying to be more aggressive, like after they made the conference finals last year, and they did it without DeAndre Hunter, I think it was reasonable to essentially run back that team and hope for internal improvement, hope that you can get a quality backup point guard this time, and basically have those expectations going into the season. Whereas now I think you have a better idea of where this team stands, you know, they were I think very humbled against Miami exposed some key flaws for the team. Um, I think sort of the frustration of the regular season having to use the the play in to actually make the playoffs was important as well for context. So I think that going in, they, they can't be complacent at all. They have to really try to push some chips in. Um, they have some young players that we don't know what direction they're going to go into. They have guys that they're starting to pay, you know, they paid herder last year, Hunter is extension eligible. Um, so th- this is really the sort of offseason that I have circled as one where you know, Trey's extension kicks in, where they have to sort of consolidate some pieces that they're looking for um, to form a long-term contender core around Trey. So I, I think going in, this is one where it's time to be aggressive. That's basically how I would define my mindset going in.
0: Yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. And uh, I, I thought running it back was defensible as well. You know, it's, it's hard to break up or even you know break is maybe maybe not even the right word it's hard to be too aggressive and too, uh, to uh to tamper with or change a team that just made the run it was on particularly when it was young under control and they could just bring it back without having to do much of anything uh, especially when you factor in the injuries they had a year ago um they did that they all regretted it um to a man wrestler schlank. I'm not sure what Nate What I thinks. I'm sure he thinks the same um and now you know my party line it's not the most sexy thing in the world is that I, I think that they're going to change the core on some level i don't know what's going to be maybe uh, on the smallest level it could be a, a gallo plus pick trade for a for a new face to just add to the core um or you could be trading you know one two maybe even three of your guys that are that are under contract um and this is easy is easier said than done as well but like trey's the only guy that's you know sort of off the table and i know there was a piece over this week from chris kersher where he made some predictions I think that um, I've tried to kind of like rank the guys who in terms of like who I'd be surprised would be gone, all that stuff. But the reality is it depends on what's out there and who, and who they're trying to go get. And we're going to talk about some of those uh, bigger names, smaller names, et cetera, on this podcast. But, you know, if you're Travis Schlenk, I have a I'm sure they have an idea of what they want to do, generally speaking. But at the same time, it also, especially when we talk about the higher end names, it's always worth rem- remembering like, there are circumstances beyond your control. Like if you're, um, you know, if you're someone who loves DeAndre Ayton, uh, you probably love that Phoenix went out in the way they did because now he's probably more available than he was before. Um, obviously, there are guys who might ask for trades. If you're someone who wants Bradley Beal badly or wants Donovan Mitchell badly, you need those guys to ask out because if they don't ask out, they're not going to get traded for the most part. Um, it's very interesting to kind of go through. Um, when the dominoes fall, how they fall. We're talking in mid-May. Like we don't know a lot of this stuff, and we can't know a lot of this stuff. So it's all, it's all, it's all kind of hypothetical. But especially at the higher end, you can make offers, and offers will be made. Will, will be made, I'm sure. And Travis is not exactly shy about making offers and being aggressive. But uh, it takes two always. So like the be- even the best fake trade, you have to like understand it may not work for both teams because one team might not may not like the guys that you have.
1: Yeah, we're, we're completely on on the same page there, I think. And um, just as far as areas where I think that they need to clearly address, I think when you look at the perimeter defense and this team was bottom five in defensive rating last year, I think that's that's definitely an area that you have to circle in red that you have to improve. It can't just be one guy. Um, you need to get better there all around, I think. Um, so that's an easy area. You know, draft or otherwise, where I think that they need to be looking for improvement. And then, secondly, and this touches on what we talked about in the last podcast, but they have got to get another creator in. I think that the Miami clearly exposed that weakness with the Hawks. It just seems like they don't have a guy that can clearly win in four on three situations over a full playoff series you know i, I think yeah. bogdanovich has that potential at times but bogdanovich just you know this has been two playoffs in a row where he's he struggled with injuries and i just don't know that he can physically scale up to massive usage you know in a, in a playoff context or he has to play 30 plus minutes per game it just seems like he is going to get hurt, you know, frankly. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that they have that guy on their roster, clearly. Um, Herter, I think, is a good secondary creator. He's a good decision maker. He's good at linking plays together, but I don't think he can scale to high usage. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, um, I, I think that, Overall, I, I am pretty optimistic as far as his actual shot creation. I know he took a step back this past year, but I think we saw in the last game too. And I don't want to harp on the last game too much, but <laughs> I, I think that he, he does have that upside at least. But the passing isn't there. The, ha- the, the handle clearly took a, a step back. Yeah. Um, so they've got to get somebody else in who can win in those advantage situations and take some heat off Trey. I think that's going to be something that he's going to be pushing for internally. I think that's something that's clear to Travis, and I think it's clear to Tony, that they have to be able to get a player like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be a superstar. Uh, you know, if you look at Dallas, for example, like they have Jalen Brunson and they have Spencer Dinway. These are guys that can drive, they can collapse the defense, they can take, you know th- – some pressure off of Luka so he can get breathers in at time. The Hawks just don't consistently have that guy. So I think they have to be aggressive in trying to find one like that in the offseason.
0: Today's show is brought to you by Truebill and free trials, off to renew without your consent. If you do not know that, it's actually because it's a business game it's out to get you. Do not let corporations pocket your money out of their own greed. Instead, download Truebill to control of those subscriptions. Truebill is a new app helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you absolutely don't want or don't need or even forgot about entirely, which happens to me sometimes, to be honest with you. And on average, people set up to seven twenty dollars per year using Truebill. Truebill makes it incredibly simple when it comes to canceling subscriptions that you actually don't need. And that's important because companies make it very hard to actually cancel on purpose. Link your accounts together. Truebill will cancel those unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. And as someone who manages a ton of this stuff from the sports world into the entertainment world, podcasts, all that stuff, it's very, very important that you have Truebill. And it's awesome for me. I highly recommend it at the highest levels. And Truebill has 2 million users, actually more than 2 million users. And Truebill has also helped people save more than $100 million overall. You're not fall for those, for those subscription scams start canceling right now today at truebill.com slash locked on nba go right now to truebill.com slash locked on nba could save you thousands each and every year one more time that is truebill.com slash locked on nba today's show is brought to you by built bar and i absolutely love brownies but actually you know what's even better than brownies brownie batter sometimes i just eat the, the batter itself when i'm making the brownies and if you could just imagine that now Eating it off the spatula and getting that badly needed protein in the process, you're in luck because Built Bar has a new creation. That's one is actually better than ever. It's the brownie batter puff. You heard me right. The puff takes protein bars to a whole new level and they're available right now at Built.com. If you haven't tried the puffs yet, overall, I don't know what you're waiting for at this point. I've been telling you for a while it's time to check out the puffs. Overall, and really everything at Built Bar with 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, only oh, seven grams of sugar. Brownie butter puffs, brownie batter puffs, I should say, are the perfect pick-me-up for any day. All Built puffs have 100% real chocolate on the outside. That means it, that means with Built, you can actually eat healthy and enjoy doing it in the process. They have collagen, protein, which your body can absorb more efficiently, and they have tons of health benefits. The brownie batter puffs will have you completely forgetting that you're actually eating a protein bar. You don't need to pinch yourself; it's actually real life and the way it tastes, and it's also quite healthy. In the process, go to built.com right now to get brownie butter puffs. And when you get there, use the promo code lock15 on your order. If you do that, 15% off on your whole order with builtbar. Built.com, promo code lock15, 15% off at built.com. I, I agree. And you know, part of the challenge there is that it's sometimes easier to find guard size players that can do that. Um, but when you have Trey, it is a little bit harder to do that when you have to pair him defensively with those guys. You know, a lot of the guys that we'll even talk about today, it's different if you're a star, like it's, it's obviously easy to make an argument for Donovan Mitchell because he's an actual star, but the, the tier down from that, the two tiers down from that, it's kind of a tough fit with Trey, because if you factor in most of those guys who are six, two, six, three, six, four, who are really effective scores are not great defenders and they'd be stars. You know what I mean? So it's like, there are some team building challenges there, but I, I totally agree that, uh, even beyond just shot creation, because Bogan can get a shot off, but he's a jump shooter. They don't they don't have guys who get who get down can really get downhill either. Like Hunter has a little bit of that in him, attacking the rim off of you know rip throughs and all, all that kind of stuff as well. But they don't have anybody on the roster other than Trey that can just like with their handle, with their speed, with their aggression from the perimeter, get to the rim and collapse the defense. They just don't have that guy. And it doesn't has I mean, it's obviously you want all those things wrapped into one when it comes to perimeter shooting and getting downhill and finishing all that stuff, but they don't have anybody that can do that. And it's kind of a, it is glaring. We, we kind of knew that, but when you have, a, when you're facing a really good defense that can make you one dimensional, it becomes even more obvious. And, you know, you know, it's worth noting that this team was good at times against like, Milwaukee two years ago in the playoffs, but Miami switching and all that stuff kind of exposed what they didn't have. And I think we're on the same page of what they actually have to get along the way. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of sort of deciding on how we want to start this conversation because uh, I kind of want to just open it up to you and uh, and ask you who you, who, who we should talk about because this is kind of, this is kind of your area of expertise. Um, but I, I do, I do want to throw one at you now to start with. And it's because uh, at least in my mentions, it's been the most popular one the last couple of days and it's the honor Ayton. Um, just because of the way it ended in Phoenix. Uh, And I think you saw this too. Hawks fans were already kind of, I'm not sure if obsessed, but they were certainly uh, interested in DeAndre Ayton even before this. And then he gets benched in game seven. He's he's a free agent, of course, which means, by the way, anybody that's a free agent on this list from Ayton to uh, Zach Levine or anybody else has to be a sign and trade. Those are always tough. But uh, have you seen the uptick in Ayton uh, discussion that I have?
1: Yeah, I think so, and I even saw a clip from from Wode just discussing potential availability for him. Um, it seems that you know he's a productive number one pick, and productive number one picks typically get a max deal. You yeah. know, it, it, Andrew Wiggins got a max deal before he was even clearly good. You know, so it's reasonable to expect <laughs> yeah. that DeAndre Ayton would want the same thing. Um, so if the Suns are unwilling to go to a full rookie scale, 25 percent max with them, um, it's reasonable that some other teams that are willing to give them that could to come to the picture. And after the meltdown they had against Dallas, I mean, I, I think that they have to be asking bigger questions about this core and where they're going going forward. So it would not surprise me at all to see it come available as far as the Hawks in particular. I think that there's a lot to like you know uh, one of the things that really stands out about aiden is that he's improved his defense substantially since coming into the league That was one of the biggest questions people had about him as a prospect is just the consistent motor and willingness to do so i also like that he's like pretty self-aware i remember in a, uh, a conversation last year he mentioned wanting to be more similar to guys like go bear and bam you know i, I thought those were, were good points of I guess, comparison as opposed to like a Towns or someone like that, you know, an offensive engine. He was already seeing himself as somebody that needs help out on defense and do the little thing. So I thought that that was a, a good thing to see from him. But his touch too, I also think is a really nice asset to have with Trey. Trey is just such a good pick and roll guard, man. Like he's, he's so good at getting you eight feet from the rim. You know, he can do that consistently he may not always be able to get you to the rim itself but he can get you eight feet from that and that's where ayton's touch like really shines you know he's, he's very good at making those little shots from there that a capella can't make i think a Congo does have the splashes and that's something we could see from him but ayton's already proven that he can do that so I think that Ayton is a pretty natural fit with Trey. He's a good defender. Like I said, he's able to switch some on the perimeter. Um, he has that touch uh, short mid that you like to see from uh, a big man being paired with an elite pick and roll guard. I have some issues with him offensively. He's just not always consistent. He doesn't go up strong consistently either. There are times where you know he can either dunk it or maybe draw a foul and he tries to you know finesse it or something and it ends up you know not going in and. I think that there are enough issues with him that I can understand why Phoenix may not want to max him, but I I still want to vacuum think he's worth that. I think he's roughly a top 50 player. You know, if if I had to bet, I I think he probably makes an all-star game over, you know, the course of his next contract. Um, So he's someone, too, that I tend to really like with Trey. A konglu I'm very, very high on. Like, I'm very bullish on him. But I do have some concerns with the size there because you're naturally going to be undersized at the one and the five with a Akongu and Trey. So it really puts pressure on the other positions to, to have the size that you need to rebound and do things like that that Aiton would solve. Um, So I think he's a pretty natural target for them. I think he's a good fit with Trey and it just kind of depends on, you know, his availability of course, and how much they're willing to give up.
0: All right, Andrew. Um, clearly there's a speculation on what it might cost to get someone like, like Aiden. Uh, you have to assume it'll be a max contract. Uh, if you were to sign and trade for him, um, how much better he is than than the Capella is actually interesting to me. Like actually, I know why you would trade for Donaire Aiden. Uh, I kind of agree with what, with what you said before the break about like what he is, what he can, and what he can't do. But he is a young guy for number one, number one overall pick, and um, you know even if you think that, as I kind of do, that uh, Capella to Aiden is not a huge upgrade in the moment, uh, it is an upgrade. I think not not an absolutely overwhelming one, but it's the future. That that's what that you're that you're really sort of buying the timeline. Pairing him with Trey makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, I, I do think though. It's worth noting, like it'll cost uh, a decent amount. Um, you know, sign and trade leverage is interesting to me as well. If you go through the history of sign and trades, um, you, the team trading the guy usually does not get what they want. There are some ex- there are some exceptions to that. Um, you know, famously the sun the the Suns got a lot for Joe Johnson from the Hawks <laughs> a long long time ago. But um, I think that you know Aiton getting a lot of money for one is worth pointing out. And I think you're comfortable with that. It's a you know big a big deal there. But also. You probably have to trade Capella and a Kongwu. If you get DeAndre Aiden, not that that's the worst thing in the world, but there's not really anywhere for either one of them to go if you trade and invest what it has to, uh, what you have to invest in DeAndre Aiden. Not that you couldn't have a Kong would be a backup center, but that's not that's not why you draft a guy number six overall. And he's kind of just nowhere for him to go at that point. Um, that's part of the calculus. But I mean, what's it going to take? Is, is it going to be like Capella and more? I think he's probably the baseline of what it, what it would be to get DeAndre Aiden in a vacuum. Again, we're, we're always guessing, but that's kind of what it, just for money's sake almost, you kind of have to trade Capella in the deal.
1: Yeah, I think you touched on a, a number of interesting points. And and one is that in general, sign trades typically don't yield what the team that's sing out the primary player would like to get back. Generally, it's something where um the player has chosen to move on. They're trying to you know, salvage something or they might view it as sort of an arbitrage opportunity where, you know, if we don't pay Aiden, maybe we can allocate some resources to trying to get another wing or someone else that can help us in that way. That's, that's generally how teams approach this. With Aiden specifically, I just think that there's a number of teams that will see him as a max player and they could potentially be pitted against each other by Phoenix. Um, so I think that it's possible they could extract more value than you typically see in a sign and trade situation. And from the Hawks perspective, it's interesting too because center is not the point of weakness on this team by any means. No, you know, Capella is in my eyes their second best player. They took a Konglu six overall. When you have 48 minutes of Capella and a Konglu together, like you're 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 very good relative yeah. to the NBA norm at center. So it's not a position that has to be strengthened going to the offseason. It's more of an opportunity-based thing, where if you were to see Aiton as a core piece, perhaps a number two or, or more likely number three down the line, and you could acquire him at a decent rate, then, then that could make sense. Um, as far as what I think it, it might actually cost, I mean, I think Capella, he naturally has to go back to Phoenix. They, they have to get a good replacement center for him. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, you mentioned that the gap p- potentially between Aiton and Capella, I mean, it – if if there is a gap, it's 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 really not big, honestly. Like Capella is like I right now clearly, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like Capella is clearly uh, a better, uh, maybe not clear, but he's he, in my eyes, he's definitely a better defender than Aiden. Aiden yeah. has some strengths, but I think Capella, as far as like his experience and his organization and things like that, is definitely ahead of Capella. I mean, excuse me, Aiden. But offensively, it's just a completely different thing. You know, Aiden's ability to make shots off the roll, like things like that, that Capella just does not possess. And is never going to possess or, or, or key strengths for him as far as what i think i'd be i'd be willing to pay I me mean, capella is going back i think you have to include somebody else in there too perhaps like a herder you know to match salary and also to give phoenix reason to do the deal i mean we just saw in the playoffs that like the lack of shot creation is a real issue for phoenix having not having a third guard that they can use at times um so i think herder is someone that i think james jones would be inclined to like so maybe like a Capella Herder kind of package. I mean, you're not throwing in a bunch of picks or anything like that because it's a sign and trade. But something like that, I think, is feasible. You know, it, it it's it's not unreasonable to give that up if you see yeah. Aiton as a core piece. Um, so something along those lines, I think, is is what you're looking at a potential sign and trade.
0: Yeah, I think that's that that all makes sense to me. I, I'm sure that you know if if Aiton was under contract already and being traded. The the Suns probably want to get more than that for him realistically. Yeah, then
1: picks are coming in. Yeah, yeah if, if he was but, already signed,
0: and that's that that's the crucial distinction here is that you know the Suns don't have a ton of leverage, and again because this basically means anytime if they want to sign a trade, it's basically that they don't want to pay him. Like that's the thing they they kind of that has to become kind of known on some level. On, on the flip side. Um, If you're the Hawks and this goes with any free agent scenario, like he has to actually want to come here or there's no dice. You know what I mean? Like this is not a, a situation where you can just make a trade for a guy without any sort of context. He has to kind of pick you in the scenario as well as negotiating the trade. It's a it's a multifaceted. That's why these are really hard to do in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, I think that's uh, it's an interesting one for sure. It's definitely more of a. It's a play on, like, if you just think that DeAndre Ayton is a top 40 player in the league long term, then, like, yeah, you want to pounce on that. He is, of course, yeah. much younger than Capella, um, probably going to age pretty well, uh, and sort of, might, might be a sort of a distressed asset, and it's, it's definitely a change. I mean, your team would change a little bit, but the thing with Aiton is he is a good defender. It's not like he's a bad defender. Uh, if it was a situation where it was a an offense-only center, I would be a little bit worried because of the pairing and what the Hawks don't have already, but he's a pretty good defender. He's not, I, I, I agree with what you said before. I think Capella is better right now defensively than Aiton is, but Aiden's a positive defensively. So I think you, know, you can get away with that. And um, also, as mentioned before, if you did, let's just say, let's just say we called in the trade, Capella and Herter for Aiton. You could then, and I think you probably should then turn around and try to get what you can for a Kongwu and try to make your team better that way. And that would be an interesting sort of yeah. way to kind of replace, maybe not maybe not replace Herder, but to get you some more juice on the perimeter somewhere in exchange for a Kongwu. Today's show is brought to you by Sakara and filling your best starts with what you eat. Sakara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle and truly enjoy it with delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living in your best body. Sakara is a wellness company that's anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. And Sakara gives you the tools necessary to transform your life with their organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. They have nutritionally designed chef-crafted breakfast, lunch, and dinners. And they're made with powerful plant-rich ingredients that help you boost your energy, support your digestion system, curb your sugar cravings, and eat and get your skin absolutely glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door in a ready-to-eat package. Sakara's functional, plant rich wellness essentials help you create your body that you'll absolutely love living in from their best selling metabolism super powder to the foundation, their daily supplement packs. Sakara's products are designed to help you support your wellness goals anytime, anywhere. And right now, Sakara has an offer for us. And our listeners get 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked 20 or enter promo code locked on 20 at checkout. That's Sakara, which is S A K A R A dot com slash locked on 20. 20% off on your first order. Sakara.com slash
1: locked on 20. Yeah, I'm with you. And another point of interest too is that Aiden rebounds too, and that that's an yeah. important thing when you look at the Hawks team. They really, they really re- require like Capella to almost be like a champion on the boards. You know, to really dominate is. that himself, <laughs> he and he is. Yeah. You know, obviously Collins rebounds. I mean, depending on how you see his fit in the roster long term, but the rest of the guys, like you know, hundred is honestly an embarrassing rebounder like he doesn't give you anything. Herter doesn't really give you anything. so I think that's a key area too because a has not really shown that ability and I know that that was singled out as an area of improvement by schlink mm-hmm. uh, but it's not something that you can bank on. so I think that that's a key area too you know it's it's, it's maybe more minor in, the, in as far as like big picture but when you look at how like the roster is constructed and you can only change so much at the end of the day, you know you know like I, I think that that's something that he can, he can really like uh, add to the team.
0: Yeah, I uh, I agree. Um, feel free to add anything else that you want on eight, and If not, I, I want to kind of pair him with Gobert because he's, of course, the other uh, prominent potential big man target. Again, same thing we talked about before. Center's not only a point of need for the Hawks, but Gobert is a defense unto himself, basically. Uh, you saw what uh, Utah's perimeter defense is capable of in terms of the negative, but he has somehow been able to drag that team to a top 10 defense every year kind of by himself and i know gobert is not the most popular player in some circles but he is an awesome defender and uh, could be available particularly if mitchell uh, stays in utah uh, is he on your list of uh, at least semi-intriguing guys or is that one where you would not uh, go,
1: that, go that direction well i think he is and i think you kind of made the case for me i mean when you look at the personnel that utah has as far as premier defenders like this is among the worst in the league in my opinion i mean mitchell has clearly regressed as a defender Joe ingles before he got hurt was not good bogdanovich jeremy clarkson these are not good premier defenders i mean they have royce o'neill who's good but outside of that like he's just
0: okay honestly he's not even that great he's yeah just, i mean he's, he's, he's good
1: he's good for them <laughs> but, but like yeah, yeah. exactly he's, he's good for them and then you look at how they performed, and i think they were 10th in defensive rating this year that's really an incredible accomplishment you know and i think it really speaks to the effectiveness of gobert um so with him i, I think that he's honestly underrated I mean, he's probably perennially underrated at least during the regular season as far as like how he can help your team um sort of gain a cushion as far as playoff seating and i think from the hawks perspective i mean you also have to consider that they needed the play-in to make the playoffs this past year you know yeah. they, they are not a team that should basically hand wave the you know the prospect of adding a floor raising type player you know I, I think that's an important thing to consider they were bottom five in defensive rating and this is a player that's perennially churned out top 10 defenses is uh, regardless of perimeter defensive talent on him. So if he's somebody that could potentially push them, you know, just into the top half of defense with your, you know, your top five offense that you're going to have with Trey Young, then that's, that could arguably be the difference between being, you know, a seven, eight seed type team versus being like a four seed, you know, that, that, that's, that's a big deal. It helps you with fatigue on Trey If you have, you know, you're not fighting to get into the playoffs in March every year. So I think that's something that's important to consider um but yeah i mean rudy to me is a a perennial top 25 top 30 player um this is a guy that's won three defensive player of the years i believe he's made four all all nba teams and nobody else on the hawks roster can sniff those from like an accolade perspective like nobody else has come close to that um i think it's undervalued again just because of you know some unfortunate playoff exits which he hasn't even had a lot to deal with in in most cases you know you know he's not Defending Jalen Brunson on the perimeter like (laughs) Donovan Mitchell is, you know, that's, that's not something, you know, he has to help when Mitchell gets burned and then that creates a ripple effect throughout the defense. But um, yeah, I I think that obviously he doesn't really align, you know, time-wise that that you would like with Trey. I mean, he's entering his, his thirties now. Um, He's on a super max contract. That has to be considered i mean we're talking major money like 40 million plus like in an annual value again it's not a position that they really need to strengthen they're already strong there but it's like you know if you can get a top 30 guy at a reasonable price who's also a good fit with your best player i mean if you have trey young and rudy gobert like how is that team not good you know like how do you how do you have one of the best offensive players in the league and one of the best defensive players and not have a good team especially when they're you know synergistic as they are on offense like Rudy with a passer like Trey, I mean, he could average 17 or 18 per game on a you know, 70% true shooting percentage. And that would not surprise you. Um so I think he has to be a natural target, even if he might be lower as far as, you know, like solving the creation issue and and, and things like that. But I think you have to at least consider Gobert. All
0: right, Andrew, uh to the point about Rudy. It's A lot of money, like you said, it's like 170 million over four years. Like, it's a lot, it's a of money. super max deal. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of money that's that's worth pointing out. Um, and you, you talked about his age too, just to, to kind of round that off, he'll be 30 in June, which is you know, I think he can probably last uh, as a good player and for the whole contract, but it's almost certain in my mind he will not be earning quote unquote all of his money at the end of that contract. It'll probably be a negative at the end. You could also argue that it's it maybe even a positive, that's how good he is right now. So, um, just early in the contract, but uh, you know. <laughs> your point there is a great one about him like being more of a floor raiser and it's that um and I know a lot of people want to you know aim for upside and I, I, I kind of lean in that direction as well. But there is something to be said for, you know, I, I cannot imagine like you just laid out a scenario where if both guys are healthy, if you have Trey Young and Rudy Gobert, you're gonna be a good team every season, basically. Uh and that obviously the Hawks were you know decent to good for most of this most of this year. And as much as I love Capella, Gobert is better than Capella, uh, and they're very they're similar in a lot of ways, but Gobert is better on both ends of the floor, in my mind. I think Gobert is an underrated offensive player as well. Like he's a really, yeah. really, really efficient offensive player, and I understand he has no bag if you want to say it, if you want to say it that way. He is he doesn't do anything else except for just kind of, kind of catch and dunk, but he's a fantastic lob threat. Great rebounder, et cetera. He's basically just you know 120 of Capella on every on both directions. So like I, I get why people wouldn't necessarily love that, and I'm not exactly the hugest fan of doing that because I do think that it might cap your ceiling. Is kind of where I want to get to now on Gobert, and we'll then we'll go from there. But I think that's a move that if you are a fan that is really just insistent on look, all I want is the best chance to win a championship. That isn't the move for you. I don't think. I think Gobert is a is a floor raising move to make you really good, and you would be. Per- perennially, really, really good, but there's the risk, if you want to call it that, of being the Jazz, of being a team that is uh, a 50 win team every year, which there's a lot of value in that, or being, let's just say, you know, there's been various Hawks teams that have been similar to this, where like they were going to make the playoffs every year and be a top four C, top five C, but they probably were working on the championship. And that might be what you have if you trade for Rudy Gobert, making 40 plus million dollars a year. And there's an argument for that too, to be good every year. But like I think Hawks fans, when, when they started this rebuild, when they, when the team started the rebuild, they kind of just said, look, we, we want to aim higher than that. And I, I'm not sure that's what you're doing if you're training for Rudy Gobert.
1: Yeah, all of that I think is like very reasonable. Like, there's as far as like ceiling capping, I, I think that there's an argument to make that with the right kind of roster construction, that Gobert could be a very valuable, like, you know, final center if you have the right players around him. I think we go back to what I said at the start of the podcast. The biggest issues they have are they need to improve their perimeter defense and they need to add another creator. And Rudy Gobert does not solve either of those problems and he's making a super max deal so from that point of view i can understand why he would be lower on the list of targets i just think that the talent is it's something to consider there especially if you're trying to be a perennial team that you know can win 50 games and be in position to make you know a deep run because injuries happen in the playoffs all the time you just never know how things might break your way even so if I you have a sure team that Mid-Milson yeah it,
0: like, they probably won that series if they middleton like, yeah i mean
1: even playing. last year too you know if if the the nets have either of their guards healthy i mean maybe they you know milwaukee doesn't win a title but you just never know what what could happen there um but again he doesn't solve either of the two biggest issues but yeah i mean i, I think that gobert I, I i think in general people kind of know how it breaks down with him you know that i don't think i need to add a lot more but i just <laughs> think that i just think that if you can get him for a reasonable price you know To get a top twenty-five, top thirty player, like it just makes sense. You know, this is a three-time Defensive Player of the Year on a team that was top, you know, bottom five in defense. Like, how does that not improve them? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think it's one of those situations. That's kind of where I stand on him.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of the situations where where maybe he's not your number one plan, but maybe you get into late June yeah. and your and you're Travis Schlage and you realize that like what you actually want to do is unavailable to you, and Rudy yeah. Gobert is is available for a reasonable price, and you go do that. That does make sense. I'm not even I'm not saying you don't do it because I, I think we're kind of similar on this. Like he wouldn't be my priority at all. Yeah, but if you can get Rudy Gobert for Capella and a little bit more.
1: It makes sense. To do that. And also you have more moves to make if you do that. Like you, you didn't address your shot creation issue. You have to try and find that yes. in another You're not area. I yeah. I mean, maybe you need like a, a good, like Hunter outcome, something like that to to really unlock that high ceiling. But it's just like this team was in the plan again last year. I know <laughs> they had injuries, but yeah. injuries oh. are part of the game. If you have like a core cool duo of Trey and Rudy, like that team's going to be very good. You have to consider yeah. it.
0: Yeah, I mean, in terms of team quality, obviously they made the conference finals uh, last season, but in terms of team quality, I think that you're immediately the best team you've been on paper when you trade for Rudy Gobert. Unless you've just given an, an, an absurd amount for him in the trade, that becomes different. But if you if you trade what I think is like a reasonable return for Rudy Gobert, you are the best you've been at any point in the last half decade at that moment in terms of like your actual team quality. And that that helps you. We'll see what if that's like actually on the table. And Utah is a great example. We talked about at the very beginning of this podcast where like, it could be they trade Mitchell, they could trade Gobert, they could trade both of them. I don't know what they're going to do. All right, that's it for myself and Andrew for part one. But as a reminder, part two is available right now. So flip, flip on over there, part two in your feeds immediately. Check that out and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend about the show, and we'll see you next time.